Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
Hey guys, it's Mark Striegel. Thanks so much for joining me on another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. And wow, 2005 I've been doing this since, and uh, I still love it. I still get such a kick out of it. I still just really, it warms my heart to know that you guys are still digging it, that people have joined us along the way. We still have some of the old listeners from way back in the day. It's always a pleasure, and I really consider it an honor to be here with you guys rocking. You and I, we like the same type of music. We like the same type of stuff. So uh, it's just, again, it's always an honor. I am thankful for you guys, and I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoyed that first track. Shocker. The Dudes of Wrath, remember that one? Yeah, that is Paul Stanley doing some of the vocals on that. Let me pull up uh, who else is on that. John Bouvar, who is on the show with us today. Of course, Desmond Child involved with that track. Uh, let's see, yeah. John, John wrote that track with Guy Man Dude and Desmond Child and Paul Stanley and also Desmond Child handling the vocals on that. Vivian Campbell and Guy Man Dude on guitar. Tommy Lee on the drums, Rudy Sarzo on bass, additional vocals by Kane Roberts, who you probably know from the uh, the Alice Cooper band back in the day, right? And the one and only Michael Anthony. I think you can hear Michael's vo- voice on that song. Go back and listen to it. You know, those Michael was, of course, the bassist of Van Halen, but he also was one of the vocalists of Van Halen. I mean, those backing vocals were so, so sweet, thanks to him back in the uh, the classic days of, of Van Van Halen. Right on. Cool. All right, so that, that was a fun song. Again, John Beauvoir was involved in that, and we're going to talk with him right now, okay, on Talking Metal. And when we come back, uh, we will uh, play some tunes and talk about the Kiss Expo. So here we go. Uh, interview that Ian McCurdy, my good friend, and I conducted with John Bouvar. This is Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast, joined by my co-host, Ian McCurdy. And on the line, we have Jean Beauvoir. How are you, John? I'm good. I'm good, guys. Glad to be here. We are psyched because Ian and I are going to be hitting the KISS convention, or actually it's the KISS Expo, they're calling it, in New Jersey in December. It is uh, going to be just a great event, December 7th, 8th, and 9th at the Hilton Hotel in Parsippany, New Jersey. Lita Ford, Ace Fraley, uh, Vinny Apice, so many great Punky Meadows. I mean, there's just an all-star lineup. And you, we are psyched to hang with you and hear your stories and get some autographs and uh, it's going to be a great event. How do you get involved with the kiss expo? I actually got a phone call from Ian. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, it's funny. Yeah. I was and talking. Was, yeah. I was talking with, uh, go ahead with Chris Tristam, my yeah, bass player who's going out on tour with Chris, yes. Chris Tristam, who is, uh, you know, house of Lords and different bands. And, um, yeah, he mentioned it to me. I guess he was friends with you, Ian, and then they, they, uh, Ian reached out to me. And there we go. And here we and go. He wanted so to do it. I'm excited about got, that. He's got yep. that Kiss history, so I thought it would be a perfect fit. Yeah, and so, John, perfect. what what will you be doing at the Expo? Are you just, are you, do you have a table? You're going to be doing autographs? Are you going to be speaking? What's going to actually happen at the Expo for you? Yeah, it looks, like, as, of, as of right now, what's been discussed is I have a table, and I'll be doing autographs and meeting with fans and, you know, of course, telling them my stories and, uh, you know, sharing my time 
with that incredible band Kiss, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And um, yeah, I, don't I think know he's going to do a little. Anything else. Yeah, just a little, probably a, a Q&A session at some point. Okay, Q&A session. Okay. So that'll be good. So I'll be doing that. And um, yeah, then just hanging with everybody, hanging with the fans. And, uh, you know, it's great. It's great to be a part of the Kiss family. It's a, it's a fantastic honor. And let's let's start there for people who, who might not know your involvement with Kiss. I mean, you've been involved with so much stuff from Crown of Thorns to the Ramones to uh, the Plasmatics. And I mean, the list just goes on and on. But let's start with Kiss because there is a, a deep connection there for you. You were... A friend of Paul Stanley's, I, I believe, and you went on to, yeah. to work on both Animalized and Asylum. And was there another record you were involved with too? No, that was it. But they yeah. released a lot of other records that had my songs, you know, on them. So I, right. I think it, I think we had about thirteen or fourteen different albums wow. that had my songs included on them at, at this point. And it was, and it started. Go ahead. No, I was just going to. And it was Paul that brought you into the kind of the kiss fold, if you will. Yes, um, I knew them. I mean, I didn't know Paul at first. I had met Gene before. I'm just out, you know. But as far as as Paul, I was just out at a club one day. This club was pretty popular in New York called Heartbreak at the time, where a lot of you know rock and rollers and actors, actresses would hang out. And one day, I'm just out there. We're all dancing, doing our thing, and then. Um, Somebody comes over and says, "Hey, uh, you're, you're the guy from Kiss. I mean, from uh, <laughs> from the Plasmatics." And I said, "Hey, you're the guy from Kiss. <laughs> you're Paul Stanley from Kiss." He said, "Yeah, great." And we started talking, and then from there we just we just hit it off. We just started hanging out, and you know, spent the night hanging around, dancing, and doing all kinds of stuff, girls, whatever it might be. And then we just kept in touch, exchanged numbers, and from there we just really just kept in touch and became really close friends. We'd spend a lot of time together, you know, Thanksgiving, uh, New Year's, New Year's Eve parties. We'd go to movies, go to restaurants, go to clubs, go, you know, all kinds of things. And then one day we're just hanging in his apartment and um, he just pulled out a guitar and said, you know, let's, let's try to write something. And then that's when we first wrote the song Thrills in the Night. Wow. A classic. Wow. Oh, that's and, cool. And that's how the whole so thing you guys, started. Yeah. So you started writing with Paul, and you guys had a good working relationship. And how long until he said, "Hey, I'm working on this album. Why don't you come in and uh, and on this?" Did that happen immediately, or a little over time? Well, no, I guess that happened, you know, the thrills in the night thing came and he said, great, you know, I'm, I'm going to be kind of spending more time dealing with this record. Gene's doing some other things and, um, you know, or was kind of splitting up the record where Gene does a few tracks. And I do a few tracks. I choose my writers. Gene chooses his writers. And so he brought me in as one of his. So we did that with thrills in the night. And then from there, ended up going to the studio. And since we were close friends, you know, I was always hanging around the studio. We'd hang around whatever each of us were, you know, were doing. We'd, we'd hang, oh, I'm going to be in the studio today, uh, you know, rehearsing the band for the tracks for, for Animalize. Why don't you come by? And then we'll go to lunch. <laughs> I'd say, okay. So I'd stop by, you know, oh, I'm stopping by my accountant's office, manager's office. You want to come by? I'll meet you there. Then we'll go someplace. All right. And I'd do that. You know, and then um, finally I had done the bass tracks on the demos that we did at his house. 
So he was just like, eh, you know, listen, why don't you just come play the bass parts? <laughs> and since you know them and they have a certain feel. And Gene was really cool about that. So um, then I'd go into the studio and hang out. And I'd just pick up a bass and I'd play a few songs on the album. <laughs> At the time, that used to be a secret, you know, something that you just did incognito, right. kind of. But but as years went by, it seems like it just came out. You know, Wikipedia came out in books and everything, and I guess they didn't care about it. And so now people know that I did that. And then it moved on to the second record, the same idea. After that record, we just kind of hung out, you know, kept hanging out in New York. And then all of a sudden, they said, okay, you know what? We're getting ready to start the next record. We should try to write some things since we had some good luck with the first album. And then I got involved in uh, All Night and Who Wants to Be Lonely. And then we Great brought in Justin Child to add some little finishing touches on some things. And um, yeah, in the same situation, you know, I was in the studio when they were recording stuff and, you know, always kind of friends of the band and the rehearsals and everything. And then they asked me, well, why don't you play some bass on some of these songs? <laughs> Next thing you know, I find myself playing bass on some songs on that record as well. Cool. All right. Cool. And another band you were involved with, which I'm a big fan of, and I, if you could go into a little bit of your history with uh, with them, is is the Ramones. How did you originally connect with those guys, and what did you actually work on with them? Okay. I had um, a manager, a guy named Gary Kerfurst, who signed me just when I thought it was all over. Um, I had left the Plasmatics. I was trying to get a solo deal, and nobody wanted to to even touch me. They were like, if you're not blowing up cars, you know, we're not interested. You know, I was like, I want to sing. I want to you know, write songs. They were like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so <laughs> I had one offer from ABBA, believe it or not, in Sweden to do a singles deal. Wow. <laughs> that was it. And I end up, um, you know, my, I meet my, a great public, uh, a publicist named Howard Bloom. You know, we had lunch. We were just friends. And he told me, listen, I want you to meet a guy named Gary Kerfurst. He's a great manager. He bought Hendrix here. He, he loves things that are off the cuff, different. So I met with him. He actually got my whole solo career going. He told me, go to Sweden, do ABBA if you, I mean, go meet with the ABBA people and everything, but don't do anything because I'm going to get you a deal. So from there, I ended up, um, he called me one day when I was in Sweden and said, listen, Richard Branson heard your stuff. And he loves it. And um, I want you to fly in. We're going to go on his riverboat and he's going to sign you. I was like, whoa. So okay, the next thing you know, I get signed as a solo artist by Richard Branson for Virgin. From there, Gary and wow. I kept a pretty good, you know, long relationship because I did that record for Virgin. And then when I came back, he had a deal for me with um, Columbia Records with Al Teller. Then Gary took on the Ramones. And at one point he came to us all and he said, listen, I really think it'd be a great idea for Jean and you guys to get together. I think Jean could give a different feeling to your records and let's, let's see what we can do. They agreed. We all got into it. And then we decided to make the album animal boy. So from animal boy, um, we had the first single, which is a song, my brain is hanging upside down, right. you know, which is Bonzo goes to Bitcoin, right. which was originally written about Reagan going to visit the German cemeteries. And, um, Johnny had a little, you know, he had some problems with that. So we changed the name to my brain is hanging upside down, but that song, you know, won the New York music awards and all these different things and was featured in the film school of rock. 
and was the trailer for RV and, and different things. And from what they tell me has become the most important Ramon song ever written. Really? Wow. So I produced that song. I produced the whole album and I co-wrote that song. Um, after that, uh, yeah. what was after that brain drain? Was that the next record brain drain? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it was, but I got called in between there too, because I had two singles off that album, something to believe in, which was one of their big MTV videos. Oh, such a good song. Also. Yeah. Thank you. And then Pearl Jam covered that, that, right? Pearl Jam covered that song, I believe. I didn't even know that. Did they? Yeah. Yeah. the, The pretenders did. No, yeah, something to believe in. Uh, Rob Zombie had a Ramones tribute record, and I'm I'm pretty sure Pearl Jam covered that song on on the uh, Rob, on the Ramones tribute record. Ah, okay, that might be that might be. So a lot of people have been covering these songs. It's crazy. It's gotten more and more lately. And then I got called in. Gary Turpin also was involved in a film, Pet Cemetery. So they called me to produce the single Pet Cemetery" as the title track for the film. So I produced that track for them. And then Merry Christmas, I Don't Want to Fight Tonight, which was just featured in the film Why Him last year. And also in a film called Christmas with the Cranks. And, um, and some different things. And um, yeah, right. so I just you know kept doing some work with them. And I actually produced some of the Joey Ramone posthumous record a few years ago. Right. Yeah, and so I'm, I, I'm wrong about that, by the way. Pearl Jam did not cover it. The Pretenders did. <laughs> You're right. So I didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah, Pretenders. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that's, um, yeah, that was my Ramon type. So I spent some time with them, and we did a lot of great things together. I took some of them over to Stockholm, Sweden, because even though I didn't sign with the ABBA people, I ended up using ABBA Studio. They gave me a great deal. And I, that ended up being like my main workplace for like four years. So I made my right. solo records there. I did the Ramones record there. I did a bunch of things. And then did, you were involved with Joey's final record too, right? His, his last That's solo right. record, yeah. right? How, how did that That's all right. come about? Well, you know, I knew the family and I knew, you know, Mickey Lee and everybody else. And so I just got a phone call from management one day saying, you know, since you were one of the Ramones producers, um, we'd love to do this new record. We have Ed Stacey doing some tracks and would you be interested in doing some tracks? He said, all we have is we just have vocals. So, um, you know, they just sent me the vocals and I just kind of created completely new music around it. I did myself in my studio and then, um, and that was it. (laughs) And just delivered it. And we created some new Joey Ramone material just based on some old four track demos he had. Which and that was obviously you were working on this after Joey had passed. I'm assuming, right? That's right. right. Yep, wow. yep. Very yep. cool. Yep. So uh, take us back. Um, was it 1986 when you did the drums along the Mohawk album? Was that 1986? Yep, that's right. That's when it was released. I started in '85. And then. Yeah. Um, so- how did you get in touch with Sylvester Stallone and he used your song in Cobra? Okay. So basically, um, after I've had, you know, very bad luck coming out of the plasmatics, trying to get a deal, then all of a sudden my luck kind of turned around for a minute here. So once I got Richard Branson to sign me and then we got Columbia records on board, it turns out that we were editing the video for feel the heat at Warner brothers studios in Burbank. 
Stallone walks by the studio, <laughs> sees the video. <laughs> and the rest sees is the history, right? And, and he said, this is the song that I want to have as the lead, you know, uh, leading song for my new film, which at the time, believe it or not, Cobra was the biggest uh, released of any film. It was released in, I believe, 2,200 theaters or something. Top Gun was 1,001. Um, so it was wow. a huge budget, the biggest budget of any film in history of, of uh, Hollywood films. And um, it, it was an honor. And that's it. And so he used that song. That was the song that did all the trailers and the song in the film. And, and it was just, um, wow, it was a fantastic opportunity. And we did videos with me in it, well, I mean, with him in it, videos without him in it. <laughs> and, and MTV took that song and, and really ran with it and put it on heavy rotation. And, and I remember. I remember in, when MTV actually played music videos. I remember that. Mm-hmm. They really got behind it. So it was good. So, um, and that film, believe it or not, is still a really big cult film. It still sells like hundreds of thousands of DVDs. You know, up to now, up to today, <laughs> we sit here and think, you know, God, what is that? 30, 33 years later or something like that. It's still selling, you know, three, four hundred thousand DVDs a year. I'm like, wow, it's incredible. And, and John, I do want to get into what you're up to nowadays musically, but just if you don't mind, a few few more little geeky fanboy questions about your, your past. Oh, uh, li- go ahead. Little Steven, a very famous guitar player and also actor. Uh, you've had uh, quite a history with him. Can you talk a little bit about your musical relationship and I think business relationship too with him, right? Yeah, we had both. We had both. When I first left the Plasmatics and I couldn't get that deal, <laughs> well, right, right. I got offers from a few people. Prince was the first one <laughs> who wow. offered, who turned out to be a Plasmatics fan, as I would have never known. And wow. uh, his manager called me up and said, you know, Prince would like you to play in his band and offered, and also do a solo record with you. And mm, I was a stubborn kid. No, I want to do my own thing. <laughs> if I, I'm with Prince, everybody's going to think I'm a bass player. I'm never going to go anywhere. Da, 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 da. So I said no to that. And then I was really close with Billy Idol and Steve Stevens. And they were, I was trying to help them find a bass player. And they were like, why are you helping us find a bass player? Why don't you just come play bass? Right, <laughs> you know? right. And I was like, guys, no, I really want to do my own solo thing. Funny thing is that th- there was a manager who had found me when I was 15 years old. When I was 15, I played with Gary U.S. Bonds, and I was his musical director and touring around America, doing all the Dick Clark shows and everything. Well, that same manager ended up managing Gary U.S. Bonds still and Bruce Springsteen and Steven came on board to produce his record This Little Girl Is Mine. Ah, right. I remember that. Remember that? Yes, So this manager, you know, I was speaking to him and he told me, listen, I think you should get together with Steven Van Zandt. He's a great guy. He's, you know, and I think you guys would get along. I had a loft in New York where I, I would let bands rehearse in this loft and stuff. And so he said, why don't I have the band rehearse for the record that record in your loft, you can meet Stephen and see what comes of it. I did. Stephen came to me. And, wow. He said, I love what you do. He said, nobody's going to sign you, Sean. <laughs> Forget about it. He said, you come from the plasmatics. You know, you have no musical credibility and they're not going to sign you. He said, but if you come work with me a little bit, you know, you're going such opposites that now all of a sudden you're in the Springsteen camp. 
So maybe people will, you know, look at you differently and that might open doors for you later um, to be able to do a solo deal. So I was kind of convinced. So I said, okay. So I toured with Steven. I did Men Without Women. I did Voice of America. Um, he was a great mentor. He's a really talented guy. Um, we became you know, best of friends. Um, I was like his, you know, like he is the Bruce. I was him. <laughs> and right, then um, right. the tour did a bunch of things, you know, and it was, it turned out great. We, it didn't work out for me to get that deal the way we were supposed to get it just somehow, just because things that happened with his record and his record company. But so I left him and that's when I met Gary Kerfurst, who signed me to those other things I told you about Branson and Columbia. And then years later, I mean, Stephen and I always kept in touch through all these years, you know, talking about the industry, what's going on, rock and roll, you know, all that stuff. And then one day Stephen came out to L.A. Um, where I was living for a bit. And he, came, he said, are you tired of making records yet? <laughs> I had made so many records at this point. I said, well, maybe. He said, why don't you come run my company and be CEO of my company, Renegade Nation? We have two channels on Sirius. We're helping all these new bands. We're doing all these great things. And I think that this could be really something great for us to do together. So I, I, I took a break from music and I actually joined him. And for like seven years, that's what I did. I, you know, worked in the office wow. with him. We did all the serious channel stuff. We did festivals. We did a, you know, big festival in Times Square. We did some TV shows, uh, just a bunch of stuff, and everything was sponsored. We were trying to sell the Underground Garage uh, radio show, and I did that for about seven years. And then after seven years, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm a little tired of all the business part, and I really want to go back to just being a rocker <laughs> and, yeah. and being more on the creative side because the business side, I, I just felt, was kind of like diluting me, and it was just taking away you know, from what I knew that I really wanted to do. So, yeah, I guess, what was that? I guess, yeah, seven years ago or something like that. So I decided, I told Stephen, listen, I need to, you know, go back to my, what I do. And then that was it. So I left Stephen and um, moved on and went back to pursuing more of my, you know, projects and touring more and Crown of Thorns and, and producing TV shows and releasing more records and just, you know, working on my own Jean Bois brand. So tell us about uh, the current thing going on. You have a festival you're going to be involved with in Germany. Yeah. So yeah. tell us I'm about that. Heat festival. It's called the Heat Festival. It's in Ludwigsburg, Germany. I'm headlining that festival. It's a good one. It's a very it's a well-known festival. It's been around for quite a while. And um, I've been touring as Jean Beauvoir lately, you know, for the past year or two, um, because I found that with my band's Crown of Thorns, Voodoo X, it was getting difficult because some people knew you from Voodoo X, some people knew you from Crown of Thorns, some people knew you as a Kiss writer, some people knew, but people didn't get the whole picture sometimes. And it was getting difficult to have to put together, oh, we want Crown of Thorns for this show, put that together. Oh, we love Voodoo X for this show, put that together. Oh, right. we love Jean for that show. You know, so I said, listen, I'm going to stop all that and I'm going to just put everything under one umbrella. And, um, and I decided to release two retrospective records. One came out in July. Next one comes out end of November. And it's called Jean Beauvoir Rock Masterpieces Volume 1, Volume 2. And cool. both those records include songs from everything. Some songs from Voodoo X, some songs from Crown of Thorns, <laughs> you know, some songs from my solo record, some songs from film. 
and um, to kind of give people a taste of all the different stuff that you did all in one place and let them know that it's the same guy. Well, and then for idea. touring, you know, so, and then for touring, um, I use kind of the same concept. So for this festival, I'll do songs from Crown of Thorns, songs from Voodoo X. I'll do Shocker, for example, that I wrote for that film. I'll do uh, All Night that I wrote for kids. I'll do My Brain is Hanging Upside Down that I wrote for the Ramones. You know, I'll do a little bit of some things from my hits from solo records. So I'll do just like a really well-rounded show that kind of gives people even a plasmatic song. So I do a show that just kind of takes people through the journey, you know, from the beginning up till now. Man, and what a journey it's been. So much stuff through the years. I mean, you mentioned that Shocker soundtrack. I had that on cassette as a kid, and I can't find it anywhere. It's not on Spotify. It's not on iTunes. It's very hard to track that down. I wish... uh, It's hard to find it's hard to find. If I, I, I'm sure I've got a version here or something like that. So maybe I can get you one. Oh, <laughs> get you at least for a copy great. of one. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. yeah, what a great record yeah. that was. Yeah. So much stuff. Did you play with Chuck yeah. Berry once too? Is that true? Yes, I did. I did. Because when I worked with Gary U.S. Bonds, um, being his musical director, there were a lot of times that we'd end up, we'd do all these Dick Clark shows all over America. So there were times where all of a sudden Gary would come to me and I was like his guy. I was a, I was playing bass at the time and musical directing. So he'd say, hey, uh, you know, Chuck doesn't have a band tonight. So uh, Boo Boo, he used to call me Boo Boo. He'd say, Boo Boo, uh, you got to come on tonight. <laughs> the next thing you know, you know, I'd end up on stage being the backup band, our band, you know, being the backup band for Chuck Berry. Or he'd tell me, Bo Diddley doesn't have it together tonight. So, you know, his band didn't make it. So whatever might happen with these guys. And so I was, you know, I had to be like really flexible to all of a sudden, you know, stop playing with these guys and at the same time teach the chords while we're playing on stage to all the other guys in the band. Like no rehearsal. Wow. <laughs> wow. You seem like you've had a very versatile career from the very beginning. Yeah, it's, it has been. It has been, and, and you're great. still and you're still going strong. That's awesome. Yeah, I am. I'm still. I try to keep busy. I've been involved in a lot of so, things. Whether we some things that are very rock and roll, everything from you know K-pop to you know Richie to NSYNC to Debbie Harry, you know, to wow, a lot of wow. fun stuff. And and I just I try to keep as you know busy as possible. Do you? I don't think we. I don't think we touched on this, but. How did you get the gig with the Plasmatics and meet Wendy O. Williams? Okay. Um, when I left the whole Gary U.S. Bonds thing, young again, I moved to New Jersey for a bit. Um, I was living in what was it, East Rutherford or someplace like that. Um, and it's uh, it was a tough time at the time. Matter of fact, I came home one day and my East Rutherford apartment had burnt down to the ground. Oh, had Lord. nothing left. Completely gone. Everything I owned was gone. Fire trucks out front. And they gave me a check for 100, 120 bucks or something. So I took that check for the 120 bucks and I went and bought a shot, a shot leather jacket at Canal Street. Okay. And I had no money. Okay. Nothing, zero, nothing left. And then um, I started looking at punk bands in New York. And I found a band called NYN that was looking for a singer. They were practicing in some really seedy loft someplace on the Lower East Side. <laughs> so I joined that band, 
And they told me the first gig we have is opening for this band called the Plasmatics. And it was very the very beginning of the Plasmatics, a little club. I don't remember the club. Went to the gig, played and everything like that. All of a sudden, I ended up talking to the manager. Talking, We all got along. And then he gave me a call not that long after and said, listen, we're auditioning bass players. And um, I heard you play bass too. Would you be interested in checking this out? And then from there, I went to some auditions, met the band, did the whole thing. It took a minute, a couple months. And then all of a sudden, um, next thing you know, he called me up and he said, you've got the gig. And I joined the Plasmatics. Wow. And how long were you with them for? Like a couple of years, three years? Yeah, it's a couple of years. It's, it's almost three years. Yeah. I did the, uh, you know, the Beyond the Valley album, um, New Hope for the Wretched album, and I was also involved in a little bit in Metal Priestess. Right, okay. But those were, as you know, those were the high highlight years of the band's career. Yeah. That's when we did Tom Snyder, The Pier, Perkins Palace, uh, you know, Friday's TV show, you know, as we kind of call it the golden years, you know, because I think the right. band at that point had a great balance of who was in the band. You know, that black guy with the blonde mohawk, you had Richie with the tutu and his blue mohawk, and you had, you know, Wes and Stu and Wendy. And for some reason, the audience really just really loved that time, maybe because it related to a lot of different people. Right. You know, right. and it was, and, you know, and then, um, the band kind of, I saw the band was going to go in a different direction to really go purely metal. And I love metal, but I just didn't feel that the plasmatics were really meant to be a metal band. And I felt that the fans would have been disappointed. Yeah. So, um, that besides the fact of one night, David Lee Roth coming to Perkins palace one night, and he looked at me and he said, and he came backstage, somebody, I had a security, security guy who came back and said, you know, Ben Halen's in the back of the show. Can you help him out? I said, of course, bring, bring him in, bring him in. I love Ben Halen. So he came in and he offered to take me out. He said, man, after the show, I'm going to take you out. Man, I'll show you LA and everything like that. He had this old Mercedes and I was like, great. So we went around and he started talking to me about, oh man, you must be making so much money in merchandise. I can't believe it. Wow. We're, ben Halen's not selling what you're selling here and we're, we've got hotel room floors and everything else. And I kind of looked at him with a blank eye. <laughs> I didn't really like, I wasn't sure what he was, you know, cause we weren't seeing that money as the band. And, um, he saw that and he looked at me and he said, dude, quit. <laughs> wow. He said, you, you've got it. Go do your own thing. If you don't understand what I'm saying to you here, that means that it's not the right thing for you. And I think you should move on. And this, you know, he's not the only reason, but besides that and, and my feelings about where things were going and, and everything, I just, I actually decided to leave the band and, um, that was it. I left the plasmatics, had my little time, like I explained before, right. and then before you know it, I hopped into the little Steven thing. Wow. Very cool. I mean, what, what a, what a great career you've had. <laughs> what a just... great career. Great life. Are you uh, going to write a book soon? Yeah, I'm working on a, a book. Really... That really interesting book. Thank you. Thank you. It, it's been an interesting life. I've seen a lot of things. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. It hasn't always been glamorous, you know. Trust me, there's been hard parts. I can tell you the burning down of the apartment. You know, when I, right before I joined the Plasmatics, I was living on Route 3, you know, wow. in this little seedy motel. I can remember it. And I used to like, I'm not joking. I'd wait 
till the maids cleaned the rooms. And as they moved to another room, I'd be sneaking under beds to get pennies so I could go eat my favorite corn muffin as dinner every day. Wow. <laughs> wow. So it's like, you know, so we, you know, rock and roll that way. You can go from, and I went from that. And then, because we didn't, when we first joined the Plasmatics, we made no money. It was like a, a, like a rule. He basically said, listen, you're going to join the Plasmatics, you're in it. But, you're not going to see one dime for six months, but I guarantee you're going to be one of the most famous bands in, you know, in the country. Are you willing to do it? So I said, okay, but that meant that for six months, you have to carry your own stuff, do your own thing, go do all those shows, make no money, fight with the roadies to see who gets to go in the nice heated rider van. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, uh, you know, and then it, then next thing you know, we, you know, caught some fame and things got a little better, you know? Right on, right on. And again, guys, we can all connect with, with Jean very shortly at the Kiss Expo in Parsippany, New Jersey, December 7th, 8th, and 9th. Uh, John is one of many great guests, JJ French and Eddie Ojeda from Twisted Sister, Lydia Chris, Bobby Rock, uh, Ace Frehley. Um, who else, Ian? Vinny Apice, right? Vinny Apice, um Yep. Punky Metals. Uh, Punky Metals. Punky and Frank from Angel. Yes. Lita Ford. Lita right. Ford, yes. Yeah. It's just a really good it's a really good expo. Um it's just uh put on very well and uh uh everybody should come out. It's gonna be a good time. Yeah. And, and can it fans like bring stuff thing. for you to sign, John? Or how does that work? Do you have pictures? They can. And, yeah. I mean, we'll have some, we'll have items uh, for them to sign, but at the same time, they can bring things as well, you know. So we can do both things, you know. And also, I'll be doing a. I'm doing a. It's it's been kind of on the down low, but I'm doing a little warm up show for Germany at a place called Debonairs. Oh. On the twenty eighth. Okay. Cool. Uh, okay. So, so oh, exclusive right here. Too. Go ahead. Say it again. That, that, yeah, Debonairs. I'll be doing a, a warm-up show or you know, kind of a little appearance thing, but it'll be a set, you know, that'll happen on the 28th. And where is November. Debonairs? Ah, God, I don't have the exact address, okay. to be honest with you. New York, uh, New Jersey? Uh, De- New Jersey, New right, Jersey. Okay, all right. Okay, cool. Well, we can we can get that yeah, address and we'll put it in today's show notes. Okay, yeah, I'll be there. And awesome. there with the band, you know, we're breaking in the new band or a couple of new guys, so it it should be it should be rocking. Awesome. <laughs> gonna, you know, see what happens, and um, you know, I, I think I'm looking right now to see if I see where it, if it says anything about Devonairs. But you guys can look it up, right? You could Debonair oh, yeah. Music Hall. Debonair Music Hall. Debonair Music, De- Hall. Debonair Music Hall in Teaneck, New Jersey. 1409 oh, cool. Queen yeah. Road. Okay, Teaneck, I know what it New is. Jersey. Yeah, it used to be called Mexicali, and they changed the name to Debonairs. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly the club you're talking about. Very cool. Well, I might try to make that. Yeah. You should try to make it. Come yeah. down. Come see me. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's going to be on the 28th. And then awesome. 29th, we fly off to Germany. Perfect. All right. Perfect, man. Cool. November 28th, Debonair yep. Music Hall. Come check it out. Cool. Well, thank you so okay. much for your time. We appreciate it, and we will definitely see you at the uh, at the KISS Expo, if not before that. Sounds at good. Debonair's. Yeah. At Debonair's. Yeah. Listen, same here. Appreciate your time, guys. 
Okay, and the support, really, very much. by KISS. You cannot go wrong with that one, and I am so psyched to, to be at the KISS Expo this year with Jean Wouvar. The Kissmas party has happened the night before on December 7th, 
Again, there is you don't even I don't even think you have to go to the convention. You can just show up to the the New York, New Jersey Kiss Expo Christmas Bash and hang with us. Emily and I are planning on going. We should be there and it is going to be a lot of fun. And Ian McCurdy, who you just heard do that interview with me, he'll be hanging. Uh, it's organized by Michelle, so thanks to her for organizing it. And it's always such a great hang. We went last year. We had a great time. And it's it's on, on the grounds there where they're doing the Kiss Expo, which is running December 7th. 8th and 9th, Ace Frehley will be playing his solo record, his first 1978 solo record in its entirety for the first time ever. Awesome. Cannot wait to hear that. And it is just going to be a fantastic event that we cannot wait to uh, attend. And we're going to do some interviews there. We were thinking of doing a table, but... Uh, in talking to Peter Arquette, one of the organizers, it was kind of thought that it might be better to just be mobile and go around and do some interviews at the expo. So we hope to see you there. All the info will be listed uh, for the expo in today's show notes. And again, remember, you know, the eve, the evening, the first evening of the expo, there will be this uh, Kissmas party, which you guys are all invited to. It'll be a lot of fun. And I'm going to, let's see, the... I'm going to li- try to link all the Facebook groups to this. Um, yeah, but the Kissmas uh, party, it says, come out for this year's Kiss Expo featuring Ace Frehley, as well as special guests and vendors, blah, blah, blah. And one kick-ass Christmas party. And I again, I'm going to try to post the link for the party and the expo in today's show notes. You guys got to come out to New Jersey for this. It's going to be a ton of fun. And right now, let's talk to the organizer of the event. His name is uh, Peter Arquette. And then we're going to come back and jam some tunes. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of Talking Metal. And we are so psyched because coming to our home state here, New Jersey, we have just one of the best KISS Expos I I can ever imagine. It is happening December 7th through December 9th in Parsippany, New Jersey. And it's just going to be a crazy good event. And we have the, I guess, the main producer, right, Peter? Peter Arquette, the main producer of the New Jersey KISS Expo 2018. Peter, how are you? Yeah, hi, Mark. Uh, Good to meet you, and thanks for having me on today. So is producer the right title for you? Uh, I'm the promoter. Uh, Promoter. Me and Keith LaRue from... uh, Indianapolis Kiss Expo. We're yes. both co-promoters. So Keith is is known in Kiss circles, and and so are you. Is this the first time you guys have teamed up to do an expo? Actually, no. Uh, we did one in Philadelphia together, um, maybe about ten years ago, and we worked on projects before. Um, we don't normally work together, but uh, and we do the same thing. We go around in circles and. Every now and then we do projects together when it, they they present themselves. But uh, Keith's a great guy to work with, and it's really one of the main reasons why uh, it's so big this year. He's uh, you know, he really brings in a a lot to the table, and it's uh, it's just so much better show with him. Absolutely, and let's get right to the the biggest thing, at least for me as a as an Ace fan, that's happening for the first time ever. He is going to play his entire. 1978 solo album from start to finish, uh, including some songs that I don't think he's ever played.
played live before. So this is going to be a really historic event. How did this all come about? Was this an idea that you had to pitch to Ace, or was it something that he presented to you guys? How did the whole idea of playing his entire solo record start to finish, the first solo record, obviously, the Kiss solo record, come about? Oh, boy. Well, this was uh, years in the making, so let me try to keep it kind of brief. But uh, it's kind of something everybody's wanted him to do. It just seems like an obvious thing. Um, I was trying to do it. You know, Keith LaRue, they... He does his separate Indianapolis Kiss Expo. I did the Jersey one. Um, independently, we didn't even know about it. We had both been talking to Ace for years to try to get him to do it. And Ace was, when uh, I talked to Ace about it, he was always up for it. He thought it was a good idea, but it just never worked out for one reason or the other. So uh, it was no small thing. And Keith LaRue was the one who, uh, he's working for Ace now. So he was able to step up and uh, really nail things down and get things together. Plus Ace's new band, they really pushed for it. And we're lucky everything just kind of came together. And this is finally, after all these years, this is going to be it. Cool. And the set itself, will it just exclusively be the, the solo record? Or do you imagine there'll be other songs that will proceed or um, follow it, the it, solo record? It's going to be, um, Ace wanted to, really discuss what he's doing. So what I understand, I know Ace is going to do what Ace wants to do, but what he's told us, he wants to like, like kind of just give a story about how he came about to write each song, where he was in his life, what it means, uh, a lot of things that we don't know. So he'll, it'll be like story time. He'll talk and then he'll play the song and then one after the other. So we're not sure how that was, that's long it's going to take, but you know, again, there's time afterwards. I'm sure Ace will, do what Ace wants to do. We, we don't tell him what to do. So we'll, you know, as a promoter, I'm sure we'll be surprised too, whatever he has to present in addition. Absolutely. And Ace will do this on Sunday, the, the 9th. Is that correct? Yeah. Sunday, uh, December 9th. Uh, the Kiss Expo is three days this time. It's uh, Friday night, which is like six to midnight. That's like our party night. We're going to have a tribute band and another band. And just a lot of partying, but Ace is going to be at that party. He's going to be uh, signing, and as well as Ed Furlong and Lita Ford and the other celebrities. And uh, the lines will be shorter that day. And then Saturday, Ace will be signing, doing photographs all day long, again with all our other celebrities. And uh, then, yeah, Sunday's the big day when he does his uh, solo album. Yeah, and so many great guests. You mentioned Lita Ford, of course, members of Twisted Sister. Uh, JJ yeah, French Punk, and, Punky Meadow, Punky Punky Meadows, Meadows we just got, uh, Jean Bavois we just got. Um, nice. He's amazing. Uh, you know, he's, he wrote a lot of songs on Asylum and on and, uh, uh, Animal Eyes. Including one of my favorite Kiss songs, Thrills in the Night. I mean, such a great song. Yes, yes it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Vinny Appice, of course, known for his yeah. work with Black Sabbath and, and Dio and many, many others. Uh, he's going to be there. Yeah, you mentioned the guys in Angel and yeah, and, uh, yeah, and I, I'm I don't mean I'm forgetting, but it's uh, you know it's such a long list. It's uh, but if you want to see the whole schedule, it's at njkissexpo.com. We have the whole schedule, the whole list of all our guests. We have a couple dozen. It's uh, you know just things keep popping out of the woods. Like just uh, a couple days ago, Keith Falcourt from the Gene Simmons Vault they donated a, a vault for us to auction and not auction up raffle off for charity. So you'll, you know, just a $5 ticket, you'll get wow. a chance to get a, a Gene, whole Gene Simmons vault, which is really cool. 
and you know, and there's going to be more things that are going to be added by the time it's uh, well, it's it's about two and a half weeks away. Right on. And what's your history with with Kiss? You I mean you go way back to you did was it fanzines back in the day? Like where where did you kind of first start with with Kiss? <laughs> well, you know, first of all, I was a fan, of course, but um, you know, we don't like to talk about it. But I was I was one of those bootleggers, you know, selling the bootleg audio right. and videotapes. But, you know, that's what we did Kiss back Vision. in the eighties. There's nothing. There, yeah, there. I didn't work with them. I did. Uh, some, uh, I was on my own, but you know that there's nothing else to sell back then. That it was right. a fan thing. The fans we just like to trade and sell the Kiss audio and videotapes. But then when the reunion tour came around, I went legitimate and I um, the KissMuseum.com now, which is a Kiss merchandise website. Yep. And I also run KissAsylum.com, the the big news Kiss website. Yeah, absolutely. And. The the again the event is the New Jersey Kiss Expo 2018. It is uh, just going to be a fantastic time at the Hilton Parsippany, which is one Hilton Court, Parsippany, New Jersey. Uh, a very easy destination for people in the tri-state area, and I, I imagine you get people coming in from all over the world for this, right? Yeah, we get. Um... We get people from uh, a lot of Canadians, a lot of people, you know, some people from Europe, most South Americans come up. They seem to like these kiss events and, and stuff. Um, uh, a lot of people from Ohio. We were looking at our demographics. I mean, obviously, it's mostly from Jersey, New York, and that area. But a lot of people come from Ohio. So I think we should, uh, we're probably going to think about doing one there sometime soon. Cool. Now, just to examine some of the conspiracy theories I heard, it, it was it was it was interesting because Vinnie Vincent had planned his his first live performance for for this uh-huh. exact weekend that you guys are doing this, and it's right. since been postponed. Um, I guess until February or something. But was there any? Was there like did that play into the scheduling of this at all? <laughs> well. Obviously not, except that was, you know, we have a million things to think about when we schedule, and obviously that's a negative. We would try to have scheduled around that. But the fact is, when we, you know, this is northern New Jersey, we can't just, usually you have to uh, reserve these hotels a year in advance. We just got lucky that somebody had canceled, and we were able to find a slot just about three months before the event. We worked really hard, but honestly, pretty much in the all of northern New Jersey that was the only weekend available for three days. And, you know, we wanted to do it the week before or the week after, but nothing else is available. And, you know, obviously, if Vinny had not been playing that weekend, we would have asked him to be a guest as well. Oh, cool. So that was just to our loss. But, you know, there's no, there's, that's just, a, it's really just a coincidence. Yeah. Uh, it was the short of it. So, um, you know, we all love Vinny and we hope he could be at our next one. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, we wish him well, and hope that this uh, this concert materializes in in February, like he says it will. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Peter, it's been great talking with you, and again, I'm totally psyched for the event. We're going to be there. We're going to be shooting some talking metal videos and doing some talking metal interviews, and enjoying all your great guests that you have booked. Lydia Chris is going to be there. Uh, Rob Conti, uh, Ace's band, Bobby Rock. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Some of the stars of the great Detroit Rock City movie. So great stuff. And thank you for doing this for us fans. Yeah, Mark. Thanks for having me on. And I really look forward to seeing you the day of the show. Absolutely. And it's 
Again, the website is NewJerseyKissExpo.com. That's where you can go to get all the info about this great event. All right, man. Well, thanks, Peter, and we will see you soon. Okay. Thanks again, Mark. Okay. Take care. Big thanks to Peter Arquette for talking to us about the Kiss Expo. It is going to be just uh, really a lot of fun. I cannot wait to be there and rock out with you guys. Lita Ford. Wow. That's amazing. Bobby Rock. The guys from Twisted Sister, JJ and Eddie, it's going to be a wonderful event, so please attend it and be there with Emily and myself. All right, and remember that all the great music that you hear here on this podcast, you can check it out on YouTube Music, which is my favorite brand new music streaming service. And we've all found ourselves down that rabbit hole on YouTube. There's just so much music to discover there. And you can spend hours and hours exploring new songs and artists. And now there's an app to make it all so much easier. YouTube Music is a brand new music streaming service combining everything you'd expect from a streaming service with the magic of YouTube to bring it all to life. Don't know the name of the song? Search by the lyrics. It's that easy. The YouTube Music app gives you recommendations based on taste, location, and time of day. You can easily find the music trending around you, no matter where you are. And with YouTube Music Premium, it's even better. Enjoy your music whenever you want, even if you're offline. Download the new YouTube Music app today and start a free 30-day trial. Check out all the great music that you hear on Talking Metal there on YouTube Music by bands like Kiss and Metal Church and Stephen Piercy. It's all there. Check it out. It's only $9.99 per month. And again, that first 30 days is free. So if you don't like it, you can bow out before the, uh, the charges kick in. And, you know, there's no, uh, no skin off your back, no financial worry. Again, 30 days for free. Then $9.99 per month. Terms and restrictions apply. It's YouTube Music and It's all there. All the music you want is on YouTube Music. Check it out. And a track that I highly recommend you check out on YouTube Music is this one. It's By the Numbers, brand new Metal Church.
by the numbers metal church we were supposed to interview those guys it kind of fell through i don't know not sure exactly what happened but i may uh, circle back around on that metal church is a band i loved as as a teenager i definitely did not follow them through the 90s or even into the 2000s but within recent years last two or three years i've really gotten back into them and they've you know, within the last, what, decade, they've released some fantastic stuff that's well worth checking out. Highly recommended. Metal Church, one of the originals uh, here on Talking Metal by the numbers. Next, we're going to get into the new Stephen Piercy, which is awesome. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. This song, I mean, it kind of has a silly name, but it, it is good. I mean, the name is Cheeseball, actually. I'm a Rat, R-A-T-T, of course, by Stephen Piercy. Check it out. It's good stuff. stuff uh, and uh, you know Stephen Piercy gets some some negative headlines on blabbermouth and stuff and and maybe he deserves them a little bit you know mixing pills with booze and then trying to go do a show uh, I get it but when I saw him play with rat recently in New Jersey they kicked ass they were awesome and he's now I guess I think what this is his second solo record in like two years 
And it's great. It's great. Uh, I'm really digging it, especially that song, I'm a Rat. There's a lot of great stuff on Stephen Piercy's new solo record, which I bought on vinyl. It's called View to a Thrill. And again, there's a lot of great music on it. So definitely check it out. Great stuff. Stephen, you know, say what you want about him. He... (laughs) He is really delivering some great music to us uh, lately uh, on the recording side and and I think in the live side, too, because when I saw him play with Rat recently, I've seen him twice with Rat in the last two years, and both times, very, very good, very good. All right, so I think that'll about do it for this show. I want to thank everyone for being with me through what's been kind of a difficult year for numerous reasons. 2018 hasn't been the greatest year for me. actually back in school right now, learning Avid, the video software, and Adobe Premiere Pro. I've actually switched over to Adobe Audition for doing these podcasts on, and I think it's sounding pretty good. Let me know what you think. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's weird. You know, I had a, a great run, I'd say from 2000, no, I had a great run in the TV business from 1991 to 2016. 2017 wasn't bad. It was okay. And 2018 has been awful. <laughs> so, so I'm um, retooling things, trying to figure out what the next step is here. And looking, honestly, looking forward to putting 2018 behind me. Having said that, listen, my family's hel- healthy. Uh, I got a roof over my head. I, I got people who love me. And, and that's all great. I mean, I see people, God forbid, there's been some, some of you guys have had some really, I see it on Facebook and I talk to you guys of some really rough years with, you know, sick kids and, and parents and stuff like that. So I, I, listen, I, I'm, I got my health, right? So in general, I'm staying positive, but I, I do really look forward to putting 2018 behind me on a professional and (laughs) personal level and looking forward to new beginnings in 2019 um, yeah, so, uh, maybe that's too much information, but just being honest, guys, I appreciate your support and we will talk to you on the next episode of the talking metal podcast, buy a t-shirt, 20 bucks, man, 20 bucks. You guys have been great. I'm selling a couple t-shirts every week. I love it. Send me uh hit my PayPal up. It's Striegel Mark, S T R I G L M A R K at gmail.com. That's the PayPal email account. Send me 20 bucks, your shirt size, and your, uh, what else? Your address, and I'll send you out a t-shirt. Great way to support. You can also just give me a PayPal donation for five bucks or join us on Patreon. Great ways to support what we do here on Talking Metal. See ya. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.